I think fundamentally we we do have a vision of what this podcast is about where it's just us talking about life about art about sex about food about news about all the shit that kind of like riles us up or humors us or or just gets us talking and uh you know that's every episode will be different um what did you say say it again later this week with coco and fran that was my bite i needed that oh (laughs) (laughs) but i made it sound like a question later this week with coco and fran later this week with coco and fran with coco and fran I am here. Oh, me too. Hello. Hi. Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear as if we are in the same room. That's wonderful. Excellent. Um, I find it very interesting that as soon as we start our show, everyone in my home wants to start walking around outside my office. Of course. Of course. It's, it's wonderful. Same, same here. I, I get um, questions or comments always always well he's french canadian he can't help it that's true that's true je suis désolé (laughs) of course (laughs) (laughs) well how is canada canada is good um and i am freshly exfoliated and cocoa buttered for today's show wow I am too, just not in places where you can see. Same. Beautiful. <laughs> um, so, um, aside from you being in Canada yes. and me being in the U.S. of us, mm. you like that? I do. U.S. of us. It sounds appropriate. <laughs> right now, it is appropriate. Um, so... Tell me a little something. Um, you know, the uh, the fans out there want to hear us talk to each other about the things that we talk to each other about. Of course. Um, so, you know, honestly, the other day I was thinking about, like, our show, and I was thinking about, like, how we came about this show. And I think essentially the show is has been created because you were the person who actually thought that our conversations were um, – really disturbing very disturbing (laughs) very informative and very entertaining and i just feel like because of that um you had suggested that we do the show and there's a lot about us that people don't know and there's a lot about us that people probably don't care about but they will continue to listen um Yes, absolutely. And I think the best way would be just to have some question and answer periods here and there. You think we should do that? I think so. Okay. Let's do that then. Okay. Why? You have, a, you have a question you might want to ask me? I do. Just, you know, straight out of the gate. Have you, we... ever, have you ever had a one night stand? Yes. Okay care to elaborate or no no because okay. honestly if you're going to do this i'm only going to answer yes or no and I, don't want, and I don't want you to judge me 
Okay, no judgment. No judgment. Okay, no judgment. Sure. Um, okay. Um, my question, actually, you know, it's funny you say that because I was actually thinking about this the other day. It seems like you're the type of person who would do this, but maybe I shouldn't prejudge you. Have you ever stalked someone? Yes, actually, I have. Okay. Would you care not to elaborate? We can uh, <laughs> we can get to that subject in the future. <laughs> not right now. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely the stalker type. I feel like there's maybe an episode in the future called Crimes and Misdemeanors. Mm, yes, which is also another drag name I have. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, before we went on the air, I was actually discussing some of my drag names, and I have a lot of them. So if you sell, send me a um, self-addressed stamped envelope, I will actually send that to you. <laughs> Is it addressed to somewhere in Arizona? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Listen, as seen on TV. <laughs> What's the name of that town that always seemed to get all of the self-addressed stamped envelopes i don't know but i don't think they can get through all of them it's like the, it's like the other day when you said remember when we watched tv shows and they asked for a transcript and i yes. <laughs> and, and i said to you remember burrell transcripts and you were like how do you remember that I don't. I, I don't know. But like we said in the last episode, you have a steel trap yeah. from brain. And I Dude. just, it's crazy. Listen, I got a lot of steel traps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I just wanted to, I know that we've all been kind of diving into television and watching whatever's out there. And I know that you and I for 10 seconds just shared a similar documentary that we watched on Netflix. Yes. Yes. And um, for those of you who have not seen it, I do not want to give you, anytime we talk about anything, I am not going to give you the setup. And for those of you who don't know what the setup is, it's like you read an article and they start to tell you about a famous thing and they start to tell you the entire kind of um, synopsis of what it's about. And I don't want to do that because I'm honestly like, you know what? If you don't know about it, just turn it on. All we're going to tell you is the name of it. And it's a documentary and it's on Netflix. That's all. And it's called Circus of Books. Yeah, it's, uh, I, it, it's funny because it wasn't until you mentioned it because I had seen it on my my Netflix kind of s selections but I never I never clicked on it uh, even though it had um, Alaska one of the speaking of drag queens um, she was the face of that that documentary when you scrolled through Netflix and um, it wasn't until you mentioned it that I that I went and read what the synopsis was and and then you you linked it back to some of our experiences in the past and and I just thought okay yes this needs to be watched and boy did I take notes 
I, I, I felt like I was doing a book report because there was a lot to discuss and not even like deep into like the political and so, you know, societal um, uh, examples or the time that it went, that it took place in. Um, it, it was, most of my observations were just very surface, <laughs> very superficial, but there, there were definitely a lot of uh, very interesting points that I can reference back to my, my youth. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. And you know, what's funny is that I walked away from that documentary kind of watching it in a way that I was watching it from the perspective of like middle America or middle Canada. Yes. Because what do you guys have? We have middle America. What do you guys call it? I mean, I guess it would be something similar. Uh, the, the, the prairies. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Anywhere between the two coasts, really. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. But every province has its own kind of like middle America, to be quite honest. <laughs> right. And I think like in America, it is typically that, you know, if you're on the outer ends of America, Florida is not an example. It's no. an exception to the rule. But if you're on the outer parts of America, any place where you can get close to water, to actually wash the sins off of your body. You actually are in a place in America where you might be a little more exposed. So I think that the people who are watching that, and I'm not saying that people in the middle of America are not exposed because I've met really smart people in the middle of America. I met really stupid people that are not in middle America. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I think that what's happened is, is that people who watch it might see that kind of experience for the first time. So let's just give you a quick rundown. And I'm not going to give you like the fucking spoiler alert for those of you who not seen it. But it really is about a family who takes on the ownership of a an adult bookstore. And it's called Circus of Books. And it's in West Hollywood, California. And they're very like kind of a tame Jewish family mm -hmm. uh, mother is very religious and they take on this bookstore when they're in their youth and I don't think either one of the parents expected that this would be their career or their job but I guess it turned into a very lucrative type of work and in turn they're raising three children they're living their life and at one point the mother even says that a lot of their business paid for them to go through college, paid for the kids to get to go through college. So their business was pretty lucrative. Um, and I just think for people in places where they're not exposed, they're kind of like, this is very bizarre. How is it that you have a family that is this conservative and this kind of clean cut with three children run a business like this? But it's like people do a lot of shady shit everywhere. Yeah, definitely. Like I, I, I remember watching that one moment where the daughter was looking through some of the photos of her mom when she was younger, just kind of out of university. Um, she was, I think she was in uh, the journalism uh, program or she, you know, she wants, she studied to be a, a reporter, a journalist. Um, and 
the daughter was really surprised. It was like the first time she had ever seen photos of her mother this way. And I, I just thought that that was, a, that was very weird. I mean, I could understand um, children growing up and not really knowing what their families do, whether it's uh, an adult bookstore or not. Um, I, I think that most adults, their jobs are kind of boring and it's not something that they would um, necessarily tell their kids about. But I just thought that it was very interesting that um, the, the daughter, um, at least her, she didn't even know what her mother's, you know, history was, um, the, you know, what she studied, how she looked like. And it was just, it was just kind of, it was, it was very strange. Um, so that, that was, that was like one kind of interesting observation about, about that dynamic. Um, and there's a lot, uh, especially surrounding, um, the mother, um, Karen, uh, <laughs> she's, uh, she's a little rough. She's like rough in many, <laughs> in many ways. Um, but <laughs> she she totally emasculates her husband like she she verbally and <laughs> metaphorically castrates him it's just mm -hmm. it's just bad mm -hmm. it's really <laughs> i don't know do you think she does that to him because of his teeth possibly cuz those were some jacked up teeth rough rough yeah um here's my biggest takeaway and I don't want to get to the kind of like, I know the buildup should really be like how I feel about this. And then finally drop the zinger, but I got to start with the zinger. Okay? okay. With this particular documentary. I think one of the first things that I, um, and you, if you feel comfortable enough, you and I will, ex we will express some of our, experiences that we've had in similar establishments but yeah but but i can tell you i think there was a lot about this documentary that was not told and i just kept getting the feeling that i felt like there was more to the story than what they were saying uh, because at one point you understand like you get into it deeper, like where you find out they're making a ton of money. Okay, I understand the 80s and 90s were a very limited society as far as like um, technology was concerned. You couldn't get free pornography online. You had to go buy DVDs or VHS cassettes. But I do feel like there was probably them they were actually doing more than just that and then you find out that they actually were producing videos like they were actually like you know some of the porn films they were actually like helping to produce somewhat distributing whatever but i kept feeling like no matter how much more they were giving us i kept feeling like there was more and so now you may disagree with me but i honestly do believe that if the daughter, because I don't know if we said this, but the daughter actually was directing this documentary. Yes. And I honestly feel like her biased point of view may have acted upon some of the censorship in the film. And I believe that there might have been more, I don't want to say illegal activity because I'm not the type of dude who thinks that if, you know, people are sucking each other off and they're consensual adults, that that's a wrong thing to do. But I do think that 
their establishment might have been a meeting place, like a popular meeting place for individuals to go and have sexual encounters. Um, they weren't just there casually looking at DVDs and be like, oh, hey, I never expected this to happen. I don't believe that. I think that it, there was actually like a place like on the street where people talked and said, hey, there's a back room, there's a back alley, there's a back whatever. And I don't think they explored that. And I think they didn't explore it because you come to find out that the parents were under some kind of legal duress with having this type of business. So I think for legal reasons and also just for integrity, I think the daughter didn't reveal a lot more that was going on. We didn't I mean, get everything. That's possible. But I mean, there were, there were a couple of instances when the daughter was interviewing her mother um, and the mother would get annoyed at the line of questioning and, and would question why she's videotaping this. Why is she recording mm -hmm. this? So, you know, it shows obviously her um, extreme kind of controlling um, uh, personality or, and dominant personality. But yeah, there could have been, um, you know, m more to the story for sure. But, but I also think that, you know, uh, during that time, um, just any business of that nature in general would, would be a perfect, um, a perfect place for, for, for people to kind of meet because it's a, it's a common, it's like a common ground type thing. Well, like if you're there, then you're there for a reason and mm -hmm. you kind of meet people who are also there for the same reason. So there's, there's, you know, I'm, I'm sure there was other activity. And I think one of the, I think one of the employees even hinted about something like mm -hmm. in an alley. Now, I don't know if that alley was near that particular business mm -hmm. or not, but I mean, it's, it wouldn't be a shock or a surprise at all. And, but I, I, I don't necessarily believe that the daughter was trying to um, protect the, uh, her parents' integrity at all. Um, I just think it was something that um, either they just decided not to talk about, or it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily relevant enough. Like it was more about the, the times and the, the legality of it. Mm. Well, I just think that <clears throat> you have to admit that if someone else did the movie, they probably would have been able to give more of an unbiased view on what was happening. You know, her parents had gone to court about this place. I just felt like watching the documentary, walking away from it, I just felt like there was a lot more that happened that we weren't told about. And to assume that people would just understand that is just because of our mentality. I think the general public that's exposed to Netflix, doc Netflix documentaries is not coming up with that summation on, them, on their own that, oh yeah, people also had sex there. Because you know what? You and I, our exposure to that is very different than yeah. what our society is. And, that's you know, honestly, I think that, I don't know who these people are, and until I saw the documentary, I had no fucking idea what a circus of books was, you know? 
but no if, but if i doc if i was the filmmaker and i found this story i would have said you know like especially like when you bring up the point about them talking to some of the employees about some of the activity that happened in the place i feel like that would probably have been a little incriminating to her parents if they allowed or they knew that stuff like that was happening. Like, how do your employees know that this is happening and you don't know what's happening? Like, they knew, her parents knew so much more than they let on to. Um, but I felt like the mom, especially, the ridiculousness of the mom was her, like, you know, dichotomy of being so religious and so like, oh my God, I can't believe this. And then I'm sure I can't wait to hear what you say about the son. Yeah. What? Well, that, that's why I think that, um, I think the, the story about the bookstore, you know, is, is more of just a backdrop to discuss the, the, the the inner kind of dialogue that the the parents had well the mother specifically had when it comes to mm -hmm. um her religion and what she's doing and then the fact that her son is is it, you know it comes out as gay and it's it, it i think it was just more about the feelings surrounding that um and i think the 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 bookstore and the the business and you know the the time period that this was all kind of happening and it, that's i it seemed like that was just more of the backdrop mm -hmm. yeah you know? yeah so what were your thoughts when you found out that the son was gay? did you know the son was gay in the beginning did you get the sense that one of the kids were going to be gay i got the sense yes how um, <laughs> i mean <laughs> no i, I want to know it was just something about you know, his, the way he spoke and, and. No, no, no. I want to know why. Shut up. You know exactly why. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking yes, about. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Anyway, I knew <laughs> he was, he, he had to have, had, have been gay. Um, it, uh, and, uh, I mean, I didn't, I didn't think anything further uh, about it other than it was sad how he had to struggle with it all mm -hmm. uh, you know especially knowing his mother was as as religious as she was um so yeah i mean any any situation like that anyone who's in that situation um it's just sad it's sad uh knowing that someone struggled like that mm -hmm. yeah i'd agree um it's very interesting too that <clears throat> when you see the footage of the parents when they're really young even at their youngest their children all three of them actually came out so much more attractive yes that was a shocker for me that was the shocker <laughs> yes but i mean Things change. Things happen as they we did. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> but, but you know, the mother was just like, she was a weirdo. She was like, and I don't want to sound too judgmental, but she really was a weirdo. Like, she really had this, like, kind of, like, holier-than-thou mentality, you know? And one of the things that was interesting to kind of shadow on what you were saying about 
the son being gay and the mother working in primarily like and i don't know if we said this but like the bookstore was primarily like gay bookstore like Mm -hmm. gay pornography so um i'm not even gonna call it gay pornography that's so stupid like it's just gay sex books so (laughs) um gay (laughs) and to me it's just like you have the son who's gay and it's like then she says like the most i don't know in my opinion the most messed up thing that she could say was well, I thought it was okay for the people around me to be gay. And I never had a problem with that. But then when I found out my son was gay and I was just kind of like, what world are you from? Yeah. Like like you're toting around a box of cock rings and then you're like, yeah, well, my son being gay is not appropriate. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But they've always, they've always um, maintained that it was just a business. It was a way to make money. It didn't matter what they were selling, what they were doing. It was bottom line. It's, it was revenue. And they knew that at that time it was uh, a big commodity commodity, you know, so it was a money-making machine. So it didn't matter to them Mm. that they were selling cock rings or, you know, gay porn or anything like that. Not at all. It didn't like that didn't phase them at all. Right. And when they were showing all the gay porn that they had on the shelves, was there anything you wanted or anything that you already owned? I, I, I had quite a few, actually. <laughs> quite. I, 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 <laughs> well, it's so funny. Again, th- this documentary made me think about a lot of things. And one of the things that I thought about was my brief stint working at Kim's video. Mm. And how... Kim's video boasted um, one of the largest or best um, porn selections in New York City. And it could be even broader than that. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, like some of the some of the 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 packages I'd seen coming into that business, it was pretty pretty uh, pretty intense, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, so, but, you know, also our exposure, you know, sometimes we cheat, we cheated a little bit in our lives because we, and I tell people this all the time, you know, if you studied business your whole life or you ended up, you know, going to law school or something like that, you may not have had the advantage. Now, clearly it's not the case for everyone, but for the most part, you haven't had the advantage of being around creative people and artists. And the one thing that I'll never regret is my exposure to creative people and artists. And some of the things that, and you and I have discussed this before, they're some of the things that like America, North America, even the world is learning for the first time about some particular thing that exists. And I'm seriously like, wow. I learned about that back in 1994, you Mm -hmm. know, it's like, so it's bizarre to think that there are things that become like kind of trending, you know, in our society when you're kind of like, wow, so artists do hit it first, but now it's not as acceptable. Like, you know, you talk to any artist, like, especially people who are much older than us, like people maybe that were like teenagers in the seventies. You know, who will say, 
oh, I knew plenty of trans people. And like now it's sort of like such a bizarre thing, like for most people in America that they know what trans that's something new. No, it's actually not. But because of your limited exposure. Yeah. Or it's or it's terminology that they're not familiar with. Um, Like there was that one moment where she was interviewing um, one of her best friends that she went to high school with. um, And he was describing how um, those those individuals that they went to high school with were, you know, um, they were known as the weirdos, the artists, the punk rockers, the people who are kind of like fringe. Um, Today, they are labeled or identify as queer Mm -hmm. back then um you know queer was always always kind of referred to someone that was just flat out gay different you know they were that they were known as queer but it's it's taken on a much um a much more kind of um specific uh group of people or I I don't know how you want to how you want to specifically describe it but then it it just made me think that you know I've I've always kind of identified with those people like in high school I was never part of any any popular group or or athletic group or smart group I was I was part of like a part of like the fringe group um you know a little bit of the you know, the burnouts, the metalheads, the, the artists, the, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, would I identify as queer now? No. Um, but, um, but it was just a, an interesting observation that made me think about all of that, especially my time in high school. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you have, to, you have to also figure like, and I think we kind of made this point with a lot of different things from the documentary, that when you do have something on netflix that netflix is pretty much mainstream because you know people who are you know watching the real housewives of god knows where and sipping on their cosmopolitan (laughs) you know thinking that they're like you know cutting edge are watching netflix and they're definitely being educated about parts of the world that exists and I, you know, I also try to step out of myself because I watch a documentary like that and I feel like it's pretty tame, but I know that there's people who probably watch a documentary like that and go, that's sick. How yeah. could that family own a place like that and have three kids and, you yeah, know? Exactly. But, you know, if you just, like I said earlier, it was a way to make money mm-hmm. and, and there was nothing and there was nothing that they were doing that was necessarily illegal. I mean, the reality is, is that, you know, even when I brought up the point earlier about people, maybe, you know, uh, consensual adults having sex there on the premises and whether the owners knew or not, to me, it was like it was a particular place people went and everyone was consensual Um as long as no one was kind of, you know, sexually abused or attacked and there wasn't any minors there that were doing things that they weren't, you know, to me, it's like, you're all adults. Like, yeah, let's get over this. Like, exactly. 
So, but, you know, like, and I think it's interesting, you and I talked about this earlier, like, you know, when we first started on about this, like, you and I had similar experiences with this, because, you know, we've known each other a million years, Mm -hmm. and there used to be a place, and I think it still exists. I mean, I don't want to give them a plug, so I won't say where it is, but I think that, yeah, (laughs) there's, there's so much to tell. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) But... There was a place um, in New Jersey that was a sex shop that sold books and things. and But they also had a whole section that was like adult booths. Booths. Plural. Kind of, and, kind of like um, little peep shows. Where, yeah. yeah. Sort of, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it kind of evolved. I mean, because I know when we started to go, when we were like younger, younger, like you would go and you just, it would, used to be like a Friday night. Like you go get drinks, you go hang out, whatever. And that used to be a place to go. And we weren't necessarily going there to get off ourselves, but you weren't? we would go. Well, you weren't? Well, you, you were, but. <laughs> but. It was very interesting because you would see this kind of like underground world of people like married men and truck drivers and couples straight and gay that were going there. That was really interesting. Like, and you would walk in and there would be all these books and things. And then you go into this like long hallway. And at that time when we were younger, the hallway used to wrap around the entire building. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say there was at least like 40 booths back then. Yeah. Um, You know, and now they were like change rooms. Like if you were to take out all of the, you know, peripheral things, it just looked like, a bunch of change rooms mm-hmm. and that's that's basically what it was a change rooms with um viewable um films yeah in america we call them fitting rooms just so the american audience oh, knows. I, my apologies fitting rooms yes yeah. yeah because you know the american audience would be like change rooms is that like a casino where i get dollars for quarters i yeah. mean you do put money in there <laughs> good segue yes yeah But you would go in, you'd pop a dollar in, and this is just us talking it down for people who don't know what this is. But you'd walk in, you'd pop in a dollar. And for a lot of the booths, there weren't like physical doors on them. Like you would walk into the booth, put in a dollar, you'd step about three or four feet to your right. So it was kind of like you walked in and then made a quick right. And that was like your little space. So it was a little like three by three room, four by four room that you'd stand in. And in a lot of them, there was a section that separated your room from the room next to you where there was a window that went up where you could kind of like, you know, people could pop their, you know, important members through. Important (laughs) members. Yes. Mm-hmm. that's like that you know that designer from the 80s <laughs> Mem- members only members only <laughs> so members only should send us jackets just for that <laughs> um so and 
you know, it was like, it was honestly one of those places where, and this is why like this circus of books reminded me of this place. And at one point this place had no name. It was just like adult bookstore, adult something, whatever. It had like no name. And we ended up calling it Boothy. It was like the place. Yeah. Yeah. It was genius. Name. Love it. Love it. Genius. So we'd be like, Hey, you want to go to Boothy? And anyone out there who's wondering why we called it Boothy, because there was a bunch of booths in it. So we called it Boothy. Basically, yep. I think that's self-explanatory. <laughs> and it got to the point where, you know, that's all we had to say, just that word. And we knew exactly what we were referring to. And, yeah. and the story, the, the experiences evolved to the point where even people who hadn't been there with us if we mentioned Boothy, they knew exactly what we were talking about. <laughs> uh-huh. And and we had friends in our circle where if you said, I went to Boothy, you would have two sides. You'd either have groups of people who'd be like, oh my God, what happened? What did you guys see? And then you'd have people who'd just be like, oh, forget it. I don't want to hear this story. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. <laughs> because people think... You know, when we describe it, you think almost like people went into these little booths and had a little private moment with another individual and did their thing and left. And it was like, no, it really wasn't like that because like there was a time once I used to go with one of my friends from high school and, you know, we were like out of high school, of course, it was like full, so past high school. We we're like in our 20s and we went into um we used to go in there sometimes. And one time I remember, and this is one of the famous stories. Um, we went, went there and she had noticed there was a whole gang of people in the corner in like the dark, because you would walk through this like hallway that was literally like a tunnel, you know, like the underground tunnel for like, you know, activity. Yeah. And we would walk down this, and I remember one time she telling me, she was like, I was a little more bold than she was. And I used to call her the um, the Wicked Witch and say, like, I was one of the monkeys. She would send me out to go see what was going on. Exactly. <laughs> so I walked down the hallway once and saw a whole group of guys standing in a circle, like, of all, like, shapes and sizes. Like, business guys in suits that just came back from work, like guys in tracksuits who just came back from the gym, like, you know, whatever, just very casual, all races, all ages. And it was probably like, I think like thinking back on it, probably like six to eight guys standing around. And I'm like, what are they doing? And I'm thinking, okay, you know, maybe there's just like a circle jerk going on. Right. Cause there was stuff like that that just. Were, were they cut? <laughs> I didn't get that close, but once I got there, I realized that as I stepped closer, that they were all serving an individual who was on his knees. Nice. And what I had said, the way I had described it in my very artistic writing way, if I had to put this on paper, I said it reminded me of one of those old circus movies where you would see a seal on his knees and he was blowing the horns <laughs> and he was just going from one side to the other. And it was like, that's why he became Sealy. And yes. <laughs> yeah, he was Sealy. And 
I remember me and my friends screaming, laughing just at the fact, like we were laughing at the word silly and completely ignoring the fact that like six to eight guys were getting serviced and leaving like one after another, you know? And this dude was on his knees, just kind of like going to town. Like he was just like, boop, 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 Like, I mean, if he was in a circus, someone threw him a fish. For sure. Do you think any money was exchanged? No. No? No. I think he just wanted deposits. Okay. That's fair. I don't think it was anything to do with money. I think he just wanted. <laughs> what is that? What is that movement you're doing there? It's just a little like, you know, a deducer. A deducer. Yes. Yeah. A cleanse. Yeah. yeah. A cleanse. So what was, wait a minute, now don't just put this on me, because you saw some, you saw some shit too. What was one of the times that you were there? Like, what do you remember? Well, I remember, like, uh, I think it was always very, um, it was very unique to be a a female. (laughs) And I think, I think the patrons found that unique and intriguing as well, because anytime I found myself in a booth whether it was by myself or with another female because i do believe we went there once with your better half Mm -hmm. i think maybe like Mm -hmm. your memory is better Mm -hmm. (laughs) but i remember yeah no we all we all went we all went together because it used to be like the four of us just getting into trouble like randomly just we were like csi yes like we were just like going anywhere where there was. Trouble. Oh yeah, and I, I remember. Um, I do remember this. I was in a booth with her, and we were obviously just looking at porn. And I think uh, some of the guys thought that her and I were going to start going at it, and they were going to like catch a show or something. Mm-hmm. But th- those are those are some of those. That's really like the only kind of vivid memory I could think of other than just like this blur of men coming in and out of booths. Um, but we, we, we've also had a, a more recent experience in a, in a, a slightly updated um, version of the, this place uh, where the doors, cause I, I seem to remember back in the day that the booths had swinging doors or some kind of a door but now the booths had shower curtain, <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, really elevates. Well, what, I remember going there with my friend who like was the first person I went there with. And I remember, I remember her going there the first time with me. Like we were never like sexually involved or anything. We were just friends. And she was just like a freak of the week. Was always looking for like having some fun and watching stuff. And and I remember one time she went into one of the booths when they had just put the shower curtains up. And she had turned her head to say something to me. And part of the shower curtain got into her mouth. Oh, <laughs> okay. And she lost her mind. Oh, she was like, "No, no, 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 no." She was. <laughs> she, 
went outside and she started gargling because she always carried like she had every like basically CVS was in her purse. Oh my god, that's awesome. so she was like gargling. She was like, Wah! and then one time she and I went there and it was a long day and I don't know we like or worked all day. It was like a Friday because we had worked together and I don't know why we thought going there was a good idea, but we were exhausted and it was like. We went in and it honestly was like a scene from a movie because we went in and she was like, you know, I said, I don't really feel like walking around. Let's just go in a booth and watch a movie and let's just like see what happens. And, you know, don't judge. This is what we did when we were young. Like, listen, you know, you're listen, it's always a good time. <laughs> yes. there. It's always a good time. But but, you know, like people who are listening are like, you have to also take it out of context, like. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have social media. We didn't have like internet. We didn't have like an in- internet we had towards the end was like so, it was like you might as well just stack blocks. Like it was like, it was so like yeah. Flintstone. Yeah. So we ended up going there one night <clears throat> and I sat down in the booth while we were watching the movie, which is like, you never do that. Just never never sit down no and i got up we left the booth because we was getting it was kind of slow and we we used to do this thing where we used to like leave and come back leave and come back like and go somewhere else and then come back a few hours later where there's like more people or we pull in when we saw more cars so we ended up leaving and we're walking to the parking lot and she is walking behind me and she literally goes, oh my God. And I was like, what? And I'm looking around thinking she saw something. She's like, you're the back of your jeans are covered in some kind of mess. No, and I was, no, 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 no. And I was so skeeved out and I was just like, Oh, and she just totally, she just like literally went right into like essential worker mode. She went like right into the front lines. She was like, we opened up the back door of her car and she was like, just stand there. She opened up her purse. As I said, it was like CVS (laughs) and she pulled out some like, you know, sanitizing gel and some baby wipes. And she just started wiping my pants. And at one point, I was leaning on the seat, if you can have this visual. I'm leaning on the seat in the open door of the car. And guys that are pulling into the parking lot are, like, blinking their lights because they think that we're both doing something. And she's rubbing me with this. And my pants are on. Oh, my God. I mean, you just can't even imagine. And, like, I don't think I ever wore those jeans again. Well, no, that that shit is burned. I mean, you have to see how much was on me because when I laid on her car seat and she was cleaning it up, she literally said to me, I go, oh, so it's not a lot. She goes, I don't want to freak you out, but she goes, it's a lot. Oh, my God. I thought they had like regular cleaning sessions. Wasn't there like a, a bucket with a broom or something in there? Like, don't they? That's don't they clean that shit? Come on now. It's not gonna help. Well, it would have prevented that mess. It, the amount of traffic in there, like, and I remember also, like, from a kind of 
financial perspective. I remember when they used to open up the machines and I remember a guy that worked there used to go and just like unlock the face of like one of the machines where you watch the movies and you would just hear money like falling into this machine, like the tokens that you would buy, you would hear them falling into this bucket literally for like two minutes. The sound would just be pouring in. I think I remember actually. And it's like uh, they're making they're making a shit ton of money because you put in a dollar or whatever and you're only getting like 30 seconds of a film or a minute of it. Like that's nothing. So if you plan on spending any amount of time in there, you're, you're spending a good chunk of money until, yeah. until you get some action, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And well, this is why like online videos have done are, great, are much better because you can fast forward to the parts you like. Exactly. Who cares about story? Right. Nobody. I, Nobody. I hate this. Oh my. Just, I need no story. Like fast forward, please get to the get to the good stuff. Yes, yes. I I do not need a story nope. at all. But but that was kind of like you know our 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 boothy life. Um, and then there were people who were like who would show up drunk. Yeah. Remember, remember the guys who showed up drunk. The guys who just. But there was so much that happened. I mean, I remember seeing like tractor trailers pull up and the parking lot was huge it was like a it's like a costco parking lot it was huge and like a tractor trailer would pull up because it was on a major highway as these adult bookstores usually are Mm -hmm. and a tractor trailer would pull up and a guy would step out get into the booth with another guy get his rocks off and leave yeah yeah well, like you, um, like you were saying, you know that there are oftentimes men who are most likely married, and you know, on their way home from work, they they stop off at places like this. You see them in, in like business suits and whatnot. They stop off, they do what they need to do, and then they go home, and that's it. They go home to their life, whatever existence that they that they have. And, and that's kind of like their, their release, you know, Mm -hmm. happy wife, happy life. Woot, woot. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's kind of like my connection to the documentary. Um, the fact that we all had that experience, but I, I kept thinking like watching the documentary, going back to what I was saying, like how many people are probably watching it and just thinking this is such like a unique world. Like, you know, there's plenty of normal people that own strip clubs and porn stores and, you know, all kinds of legal establishments. I mean, look at places in Las Vegas where like prostitution is legal, like there's families that own those businesses. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, you would have to be very naive to believe that, that stuff like this didn't exist or um, families, you know, don't come out of, you know, businesses like this or back Mm -hmm. this, like that's that you, you truly have to be naive if you did Mm -hmm. or if you didn't know that, you know, I think that a lot of people, have this stereotype of like there's some sort of like mobster who owns these type of establishments and owns several of them 
and he shows up every third Friday to pick up his money. Yeah. And, you know, he's sitting in a car and he's got some like fat henchman who drives him around who gets out and picks up the money when, you know, you have all kinds of people. I mean, you've got single moms out there from very normal suburban areas who are selling weed because they're trying to make money. Like this is a very normal thing. Um, what else was your takeaway from the from the film? Was there anything else that we didn't that you didn't share? Um, there was like there was a lot of little things. I I remember while I was watching this, I I kind of uh, opened up a um, a wiki page on the store, and <laughs> I, the thing that I found hilarious about the description of this store was that it was it it specialized in gay porn, adult toys, blacklisted paperbacks. Novels by LGBTQ writers, sci-fi books, foreign newspapers, and my personal favorite, Bibles. <laughs> like, that's not, I, I, I don't understand where, how that's woven into their <laughs> business. But yeah, they actually um, sold Bibles there. Uh, Listen, b- Bibles are very important. Very for, true. You know. True you know but yeah there was there were so many things that like you know uh either triggered memories uh one of the things that uh uh that i thought about when when they were talking about the the movies that they produced or financed or or made um it it reminded me of um this brief stint I had when my time in in New York City involved a lot of brief stints. <laughs> like there was nothing long term about any of my experiences there. But I I worked for this architect, um, and I remember uh, vividly uh, when I was sitting in his living room that the whole Columbine thing happened. Um, but that's another that's another story. Um, but he, so my responsibility, my job was to organize this uh, database of addresses of, of clients or just people. It was like a mailing list, basically. And this is all I was told, um, that they wanted this database kind of organized. Um, I didn't know anything more about what, what this mailing list was for. All I know is that I sat in this living room and he was out working. There was this person that was kind of like, I guess she was his assistant in some way. Um, But she would come in periodically and there was this wall of maybe like four or five TVs. Not on, they were on, but this, the screen was like the TV itself was turned off, but the whatever machines, VHS tape, whatever uh, was running underneath, those were on. Um, I happened to turn around one day to see what she was doing, and I caught a glimpse of what was on the screen. And it was this man who basically loved having his balls stomped on by women in stilettos. And it turned out that this architect was the guy. 
So he would make these videos and I was basically organizing the mailing list of the people who were, who were ordering these films that, and they were primarily from Europe. The Europeans love ball stomping, <laughs> stiletto ball stomping. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just like th- this, this under two hour documentary triggered so many memories for me. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. And, and, you know, it honestly, and the best way I can describe it is when you see this kind of thing, especially when you're younger, like, and I don't mean the movie, I mean, like what you just described or some of the experiences we had at Boothy, when you see that kind of thing, it's like when you're brought up when you're younger and you're told stories by older people, like, you know, you know kids that are older than you tell you these stories about like oh i saw this i saw that or even when you watch like porn and you know it's kind of like all scripted and it's not real people but when you see the stuff in person like you watch that you got a glimpse of that video or like some of the stuff we saw just in our lives it's like seeing a ghost because you really are seeing it in like real time and like mm-hmm. all the stuff you hear that happens in the world or you see in movies and then to actually see it is kind of like, wow, you know? Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's very interesting because, you know, not to get into like a psychological thing, but I really feel like when it comes to sex and sexuality, I think a lot of people see it as such a dark and scary thing because it makes people feel uncomfortable. And I can certainly tell you that there are certain things that would I find disturbing, like about sex, um, especially when it's like non-consensual sex. Like I find that very disturbing. Like there's nothing to me, like even in fantasies that seems compelling to me about that. But I think that there's people out there who just generally sexuality in general like you know there's the people who are like you know the instagram police who are just people who have instagram who suddenly people post a picture of an artist an artist photo that someone's naked and they report it to instagram like i've never understood people who who sit in their armchairs and 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 judge and judge when it when it doesn't affect them in any way no because if you don't like what you're seeing move on Mm -hmm. but it's also it's also the argument of like when you have a kid too like one of the things that really is interesting and i learned this from having having a kid is that you know when you meet other parents that you know their kids are playing like violent video games or watching movies where like people are being stabbed or shot or you know and these kids are like 10 years old but then like you're watching a movie where like there's maybe like a two-minute sex scene and when i say sex it's not even gratuitous it's like you know you you see half of a woman's breast and the man has the sheet covering him because you know the men never show themselves naked and (laughs) It never, <laughs> never. You're never gonna see a penis or vagina in like a rated R movie. Like it's yeah. not gonna happen, you know. And if you see vagina, you're seeing pubic hair. Like you're not seeing a vagina, you know. Yeah. Like people are like I saw a vagina. That's not what a vagina looks like, you know. <laughs> you just saw pubic hair. So, exactly. 
But it's funny because parents that I have met, they get so bent out of shape. They're just like, that's so interesting. Because it makes them feel uncomfortable. And that's my point about sexuality. It's so dark to some people. And to me, I'm like, there's no darkness about it. And certainly there's things that I see that I'm not into, but I don't judge it. Like, I'm kind of like, I'd rather see that than someone blowing their brains out. Exactly. Yeah, I, I've never understood that either. Um, but it's, it makes you wonder what their um, introduction to sex was. Yeah. You know, how were they, how were they spoken to about, about sex mm-hmm. and sexuality? Were, were they, uh, were they repressed? Were they mm-hmm. told that it was not a good thing or you know not to be shared with anybody or mm-hmm. not to be expressed like it it all it all stems from how how their sexuality you know kind of developed mm-hmm. but know? it's also i think it's also the way our media delivers that information because <laughs> like i said you know if we continue putting ratings on things and we continue to tell people like this is the channel you watch if you want to hear these words or see these images. And this is the channel you watch if you want to see this or hear this. And Mm -hmm. once we, because I know that for me is huge because growing up with the message of you'll never see when you're young, someone naked until you're old enough. And then you're seeing them on like a channel where they're allowed to be naked. To me, it sent the message as a kid, like this is a wrong thing. Yeah, This is something that's wrong and that's why you're not allowed to see it. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the message that people are saying. And I don't, you know, I'm just so tired of like the sexual thing, like how people are just like, you know, this is wrong and this is right. And, you know, like I look back at stuff that you and I were told were so like, you know, controversial in the nineties. And like, you watch it now and you're like, what the hell were people freaking out about? Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. I we we the two of us have have experienced many <laughs> many different things and and I just think about like some of the stuff that I'm doing currently which is going to be a whole other episode as well where it's it becomes when you're when you're exposed to something and you understand it and you're 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 learning about it and there's no ignorance attached to it it's it just becomes this this other thing like it's not this like crazy mystery crazy um this uh how do you want to call it this taboo thing you know mm-hmm. you're not supposed to talk about you're not supposed to discuss you're not supposed to even you know consider looking into it or experimenting with you know it just i i I, all it all stems from ignorance that's 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 all it is yeah and i think that was kind of our pet peeve that's (laughs) big time (laughs) uh yeah so um you know i i i kind of think circus of books books of circuses and (laughs) the circus of peanuts I think I've kind of said everything I've had to say. Um, I I think so too. Um, The only, the only other thing that maybe this could go along the lines of a pet peeve (laughs) because I've seen it on many occasions, but at one point when the brother was being interviewed, 
he had this little fleck on his lip that drove me batshit crazy. Because if, if I was the sister and I was interviewing my brother and I saw this, this thing on his lip, I would be like, okay, let's just stop the tape. Uh-huh. Let's wipe that shit off and let's start again. He well, had- I don't want to sound like... <laughs> it just drove me crazy. It's like people who, who like have that shit that gathers in the corner of their... Ugh, the crust. The crust. So I don't want to sound like an asshole, but... Go ahead. You you were really expecting a lot from that girl. Did you see what she was wearing? I mean, valid. Valid. Okay. That's all I'm going to I'm going to leave it there. Okay. Um and I think we should leave it there. I think so too. Yeah. All right. I'll talk to you soon. All righty. Bye. Maybe maybe later this week. <laughs> later this week with Coco and friend. <laughs>